0: How sweep it is, baby Plummer flushed the Phillies down the toilet. Escobar walked it off, and the Metsies get their first series sweep of the season.
1: We discussed Nick Plummer's game tying, first career hit and home run, the sweep of the Phillies out of Vino over Diaz, and the shootout in the bay in a busy week in Metsland.
0: All that, plus Figgy's fables on his new haircut. We got a lot to do, and it's all next on Amazing But True from the New York Post.
2: Queens, New York. Mets take the field. So amazing. Amazing but true. Orange and blue. So amazing. Here's the pitch. New York, folks. It's out of here. We got you wing and a drive deep to right, it is gone, into the upper deck in right
0: field, Nick Glover jumps on the first pitch from Corey Abel in the bottom of the
2: ninth inning, and just like that, we are tied at four. Curve is rocketed toward right, it's going to get down, a base hit, Eduardo Escobar makes the Phillies pay, and the Mets win it 5-4. Ooh.
0: Welcome back to Amazing But True, our New York Mets podcast on the New York Post. Those highlights you just heard, courtesy of WCBS radio. You heard Howie Rose and Wayne Randazzo after the Mets' first sweep of the season. How about this, Figgy? This team is dominating, yet they never swept the series until... Now it's Jake Brown here, Nelson Figueroa there, no guest on this show. We'll get to Figgy's fables. We got a lot to recap in a busy week in the world of the Mets, Figgy. And, you know, that's not even including that you got a haircut. I mean, you went from looking homeless to looking pretty sharp. Even I showed my mom the picture. and She said, oh, he looks very nice. Very nice. Vicky. So congrats on cutting your hair.
1: Had it made a promise and I fulfilled it. We'll talk more about it in the fables. But at the same time, yeah, the summer was coming, man. I don't know how that hair was going to do very well out in the uh, sun and all the elements out there in Staten Island. So new look, new me. Yeah, you'll fit right in with all the guidos in Staten Island now.
0: Now you just got (laughs) to spike it up a little bit, and we'll we'll see you at the club. We'll see you at DJ's this summer downtown in in the Jersey Shore. But the Mets are, you know, shoring up uh, first place right now, an eight-and-a-half game lead. The Phillies are double-digit games out of first place, and the unlikeliest of heroes to flush the Phillies down the toilet. I had to go in my parents' bathroom to find it. The plumber.
1: Oh, my God. That's the, a plunger.
0: Plunger, the plumber, flushed
1: oh the Phillies down
0: the toilet. We come with props here on Amazing But True. And he swung that lefty bat on a first-pitch fastball by Corey Kniebel, cranked it into the Coke corner. Hearts was there. I was not. I mean, what world, Fugazi Land, we're in that I missed it, and I'm dying that I'm not there and here in South Carolina where Wendy's closes at 10 p.m. But, Figgy, that was special. Unlikely of heroes. We'll get into it in a second. Choosing to pitch Adam Adovino over Edwin Diaz, which made no sense. We haven't really ripped Buck for anything. But we can't rip Buck for this. Not pinch hitting for Nick Plummer. It turned out to be the best move ever because he got his first career hit, his first career homer, and his first career start. Again, this team. Built different.
1: Yeah, it, it's, it's very strange the way things continue to happen. And for the Phillies, there's something that has to be done for that bullpen. You have the closer come into the game or at some point closer, maybe not closer, but guy comes into the game and goes in for a second inning as he delivers the first pitch. Why in would you ever ever throw a first pitch fastball in that situation I have no idea and the young man was ready willing and canable. ha 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 Jake oh, I'm the, I'm the dad, dad humor here right Yeah there you go right he, nice. he was he was a, he was on time and just absolutely crushed that ball no doubter um had to be one of the best feelings of young Nick Plummer's entire life let alone his baseball career um circling the bases where he probably can't even feel his feet as he's touching the bases Comes home, gets a big hug from Lindor, a big pat on the back, and, and the Mets breathe breathe a sigh of relief, but they weren't done just yet. They were able to continue and their scrappy ways keep showing up. It's not always the home runs. You know, the home runs are nice, but it's when this team finds ways to put the ball in play and do the little things. Escobar, we had him dead a week ago, right before he, you know, he got his 10th year in. Uh, He's really turned it around. He had a four hit game, I think, this week as well. He has done a little bit of everything. And that's what we continue to marvel over this team is that guys keep stepping up. And, you know, that next man up theory from last year is carrying over because these guys are getting opportunities and making the most of it.
0: And listen, you're having a new hero every night from one to twenty seven. I mean, whoever, however many players on the roster, twenty seven doubleheaders, I think it's twenty six right now. But well, you're having someone new every night this time. It was the combination of Plummer and Escobar, who also made the tremendous play over the rail at the top of the inning. That was huge. And then Edwin Diaz took care of business. You could argue the game would have been over if Edwin Diaz came into the eighth inning, potentially to strike out the guy that he struck out on Friday night with high heat and Castellanos. He went with Adovino. Adovino left a fastball right down the heart of the plate. And he homered it, Mets losing, but Plummer saves the day. And let's hear what Plummer had to say, Hearts, after the game, after his big homer in his first start, first hit, first homer. Let's hear what he had to say.
1: Oh man, it was uh, it was cool, man. Just to be in there and and start and get to play, in, you know, coming up and down from from Syracuse, being on the taxi. So uh, it's been cool to you know be able to get in there play behind the guys and, uh, you know, ultimately come up with the win, you know. So, uh, yeah, just uh, pretty surreal. Yeah, really no words, so. When you're
0: running the bases there in the ninth, has it even sunk in yet at that point?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, um, just early in the game, Chris picked me up, you know, slid for that ball, probably shouldn't have sh- uh, slid up and, and made, a, made a little misplay. So, you know, I was I was gearing up to to take it over and, and try to make up for it later on in the game. And, you know, early on, I felt like I was taking pretty good swings and just kind of good, well, well-located well pitches. So, you know, for, for my fourth at-bat, be able to jump on one, it was it felt really good.
0: And in this magical season, Figgy, Nick Plummer is the 14th Mets to have his first career hippie home run. The last current Mets pitching coach, Jeremy Hefner. Hmm. When did he do that? Exactly 10 years ago to the day on the week. The Mets have a 10 year anniversary celebration for Johan Santana on Tuesday night. Praying my flight doesn't get delayed so I can make the game Tuesday night. They'll honor Johan on a 10 year anniversary of Jeremy Hefner's first hit. Nick Plummer does the job and when he hits that homer and you know a rare mech home game i'm watching a home usually i'll enjoy the broadcast of home gary keith and ron but carl ravage i mean unlistenable what a terrible broadcast the highlight of it was the saving grace figure was david cone he's fantastic we'll get into it in a bit when drew smith had his dislocated Pinky, which looks like for now won't be terrible, could avoid an IL trip. Look into that pinky, maybe a little woozy, wheezy, woozy, little, little wheezy, little woozy, a little, little, (laughs) maybe a little, little toonchy Uh, when you look at the pinky, he seems like he'll be okay. So, but I mean, goddamn, this was a wasted opportunity at a Gary Cohen call when you the walk off and that Homer, you watched it. That broadcast. I mean, I I don't like to rip broadcasts, but one, they seem like Phillies homers. They were talking about how this could like be the win that changes their season. Meanwhile, they were up by one run. Let's calm down. And just everything about it made you miss Gary Keith
2: and Ron.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, Gary Keith and Ron are on another level and every broadcast team realizes that I think more so than anything is, uh, it isn't a Homer thing because what you want to do as a broadcaster is put a stamp on that moment, just in case it is the moment that comes back and it turns the Phillies around it, one run lead. It, in that Philly's bullpen is <laughs> far from a sure thing. And as we saw, it, it, they were able to not hold it again. I, I didn't understand the Ottavino after throwing 20 pitches last night coming in um, when you had some other options, especially Diaz. Maybe he goes one hitter extra, but with Diaz being so lights out, that might only be three pitches to Castellanos. Strikes him out and then moves on. Finishes off the ninth inning and it's smooth sailing. Buck hasn't made many misplays and it didn't seem like it was going to be a misplay when he threw that first slider three feet off the plate. He swings and misses at it, freezes him with a 94 mile fastball as he's looking probably for another slider. But in the game of chess, the way that uh, and that bat is played out, you can see sometimes if a hitter takes a certain pitch, like that fastball, that means he's just sitting on a breaking ball. And so Adovino's like, oh, he's probably just sitting on my breaking ball. He just took a fastball. He's not going to take another fastball. So he's sitting on my breaking ball. So he tried to sneak another fastball in there. The ball was closer to him. It was hard thrown. 96. Credit Castellanos, but he is the best in baseball. And thanks to Hearts letting us know that he's the best in baseball with two strikes. So that tells you right there that when you're doing your homework and you've got to trust your stuff and go to your strengths, Adovino's fastball isn't really his strength. It's his breaking stuff that has that nasty movement. And he should have went with another breaking ball. It's I'm a lesson this,
0: Does part of that blame go to Patrick Mizeka? And I wanted to continue on Carl Ravage because the amount of times he said Mizeka, I wanted to throw something at the TV. I was waiting for Wendy's to come. They canceled the order. And I wanted to throw the remote because he kept saying Mizeka. And I don't know if that's on ESPN or who that's on. Like, get the pronunciations right. Because I don't think Gary Cohen's getting it wrong. But is part of that a Mazika for saying you know fastball because I feel like it's the pitcher's discretion. But take us through that moment, and because a lot of people have been critiquing Mazika on his calls, just his throws, that he's not as good defensively
1: as McCann and Nito. Yeah, well, definitely, you know, McCann has that cannon for an arm, but you have Nito, who's a very good catch and throw guy, calls a great game, all the pitchers raved about him. So when you're getting to that third fiddle guy and Mazika, Mazika isn't as polished. And I feel like sometimes when you have a guy like that, it's not always his fault either. It's probably some calls coming from the bench at the same time. And at the same time, the pitcher always has the last word. So the pitcher has to be the guy to either shake off or have conviction and execute the pitch. Because the bottom line is wins and losses don't go next to the catcher's name. You go next to the pitcher's name. So you have to be the guy that can look the reporters in the eye and take accountability for throwing such a bad pitch um or even if it's a good pitch and you have a bad result that's sometimes a problem a problem as well that's happened a multitude of times in my career where i felt like i executed my pitch and a guy just beat me that happens in this situation it was definitely Oovvin just out himself by trying to go right after Castellanos with that fastball again with 94. And he took it, and he thought he was going to be sitting on that breaking ball. But that breaking ball, even when you know it's coming, is unhittable. Should have went to that breaking ball. Woulda, coulda, should have. Diaz should have been in. But at the end of the day, the Mets win, and what you... Hope for is continue to build on that success, those three games in a row right there, putting the Phillies further and further down into the National League East.
0: Did you notice differences when you had a third string catcher catching you and how they called the game than when you had the top guy? Now, when you played, what was it? Brian Schneider was maybe the starter. Mm-hmm. And then I forget who the backup was at that
1: time. We had, maybe- Ka- we had Casanova, Castro. Those are the two guys. I
0: mean, that's a big drop off. I mean, mm-hmm. not that Schneider was. Very good, but he was a good defensive catcher. Do you see the difference in how they call the game? And does that affect how you pitch at all?
1: Yeah, a little bit. I mean, each guy knows you a little differently. Um, for me, usually the backup guys are the guys that would catch my bullpens. And so they understood how I like to work a little bit better. The, the starting guy's worried about his hitting. He's taking extra rounds of BP. He's you know taking care of his body a little bit in between. So he's not going to catch bullpens. Um, so you hope that what you work on in, in between starts is relayed to the guy that's going to catch you. That made it difficult for someone like me because when you're a fifth starter, you're not the guy that they're worried about. You know, they're worried about top 3 starters and what how they like to work, what they like to do and they're constantly working with those guys. I was lucky. I had Sandy Alomar Jr as my bullpen catcher even though he wasn't Raconello. You know, Raconello would offer to catch me and Sandy's like, "No, no, no. I got Figgy. I got Figgy." And I'm like, "Dude, if we activate Sandy Alomar Jr with me, I feel like we are already in sync every time we're throwing a bullpen.
0: You're like, I'm never getting designated for assignment ever again with Sandy.
1: Well, Rick, Rick Peterson, <laughs> Rick Peterson used to say it all the time. He would, he would watch my bullpens and then I'd, you know, pitch to Schneider or somebody else. And he goes, can I ask you something? I go, yeah. He goes, why during the week we're preparing for Le mignon?" He goes, and game days, I'm getting spaghetti and meatballs. <sighs> and i go well cool. i i go well I, I go i'm not the chef you know i said i i go with the game plan and i trust the catchers and plus when this catcher hasn't caught my split finger you know and and i have a little i was having a little trepidation my first few years in the big leagues of bouncing my split finger and you know making it be a wild pitch and meanwhile these guys are the best in baseball i you know, calling and knowing what's going to happen and blocking a ball. So you have to have that confidence. And uh, it took me until Dan Ward then legitimately, I grabbed two dozen baseballs and goes, you're throwing every one of these balls in the dirt and you're working on putting people away that next game i struck out 10 the next game after that i struck out like eight or nine next game after that i struck out another eight or nine and i was like oh okay so these guys get paid the block balls in the dirt so you have to be uh better at executing at the major league level when it comes to like mazika he's learning the staff remember that right he's, he caught him a little bit in spring training but not very much because those main guys are wanting to get familiar with new guys like out they you know i got him nito's like i got him you know mccann's like i got get to learn them, things like that. So he's not going to see him very often. And so you don't really know how they want to work. There's a, it's a two-way learning process. So you hope that they learn from this experience and they don't go through this again. And at the same time, Keep it simple, man. You always want to pitch to your strengths um, and, and not err on the side of, oh, this might be the guy's weakness. So it might not be my strength throwing a fastball by him in this situation, but he he took it there, and I'm going to do it again. His slider is that that wipeout pitch. That's the one that got him you know, paid all that money um, in the middle of his career.
0: And listen, it's interesting that it makes a difference because the Mets are without their starting catcher, and they haven't really lost much. Chris Bassett was fantastic, six innings. Colin Holderman has gone eight innings without giving up a run and could play a factor. If Drew Smith were to miss some time, mm-hmm. um, you saw that pinky. Have, have you seen that in a game? Have you seen a picture? You know, David Cohn showed on the broadcast. His pinky is still messed up <laughs> Poor
1: guy, but the doctors then were not the same as now, but, you know, have you experienced that or seen that? You see that every now and then because we're not smart as pitchers when it comes to that. Our initial reaction is to go get the ball, grab the ball, stop the ball. It takes a, f- a little while as you join the pro ranks from being in college where, you know, in high school and college, you're probably the best athlete on the field. And you got to remember that these guys behind you, as you're getting paid to the pitch, they're getting paid to field the ball. So you want them handling the ball as much as possible. Um, that's why like with the shifts and stuff like that, more and more you're seeing like guys Guys throw the pitch and just keep their hands to himself, get out the way, because there's probably going to be somebody back there that's going to make the play rather than you deflecting it. So that's something that you have to learn to do. Um, it's not easy or fun in the beginning, but you realize after the third time that you've laid out for a ground ball to second base, stop being an idiot and let them feel the balls. But, but is that a quick recovery? Like, I mean, it's it's a pinky. Uh, I think Ronnie Lott uh, played the second half when he you know, had him cut it off. If you don't, if you recall, you know, know that Ronnie Lott story. I don't think so. His hand got stuck in a guy's Jersey going to tackle him and the pinky was facing the wrong direction. Uh, They they cut it off at halftime. Jeez. Yeah. Oh, look it up. Look it up. It's a great, it's a great story. But when it comes to baseball players and pitchers and your fingers, how you put your fingers on the ball, even just dexterity wise, it changes the way that the ball comes out of your hand. So if you can't bend it all the way or if there's pain when you know, you're know you trying to apply more and more pressure, maybe you can't put enough pressure on your change up. It's all different things. So it could hinder him. But at the same time, it could be you know one of these things where they reset it and uh, they said it wasn't broken. So that's a good sign. And maybe just going to have some inflammation for a little while and be able to get back out there in a few days.
0: This bullpen needs help. They need to get an arm. I don't think they have enough. And listen, Seth Lugo, you worry because Buck has not used him in a ton of high leverage. But he used him Saturday in it, you know, on a blowout, and then didn't have him Sunday. We haven't seen much of him back to back days. We're seeing him in lesser leverage roles. You know, in a situation where. I'm more comfortable with Seth Lugo than Adam Adovino. Adavino has been okay this year, but he's been a little shaky, and he I'm worried about him in October possibly blowing a game in the eighth inning, and everyone disagreed. This is a rare time we disagree with Buck, but listen, he kept Plummer up. Diaz had to be in for four outs. You go for a sweep. They still get it done, and it's just another chapter in this season. And, hearts, you were there, and it looked like on video that the place was rocking. It was electric. I unfortunately can't report on the atmosphere, so our resident Mets fan for the night, Andrew hearts can tell me about what uh the vibe was like in City field besides the wave that apparently went down eight times in a row in a two run game. Ban the wave hearts go
2: well, listen, all of us can't be huge Yankee fans like yourself mingling with Carlos <laughs> uh, uh, Stan I was with Mark that. Sanchez and Nick Mangold and of legends course, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, at Yankee Stadium watching them win uh, no, it it, it was exciting. It, it it felt like, believe it or not, it felt like a, a late August or early September game where a lot of the fans that were there, they weren't just there to watch a ball game. They were there for a big game and it, and it had a big game atmosphere considering that, you know, it's Memorial Day weekend. It's the Phillies. It's, it's not a great matchup, but everyone there was excited. And honestly, uh, it's, it's no secret. I'm not a Mets fan. But as, as fans, I, I'm sorry, I, listen, I'll, I'll even admit. if you were with Miss Matt, if if I was with someone who who is a diehard Mets fan any anyone who was there tonight and was a Mets fan was excited. And honestly, that's what you want to see at this point in time. This is an exciting team. And mind you, even when the Mets were down going into, you know, the the. The bottom of the ninth, the place was still pretty crowded. And mind you, people could have left. They could have gone, hit the train early, get home. You got the beach tomorrow, do all that kind of stuff. Met fans were sticking around because the one thing we've seen this whole year from this team so far, again, it's two months, is that this team will not die. And mind you, to have a guy like Jake Plummer come out of nowhere. Nick Plummer, you got, you Plummer, got the, Jake Plummer for the <laughs> quarterback on <under laughs> Mario, Mario, Luigi, the plumbers. The plumber came through tonight. He Walk-up delivered. song, too, yeah. I'm telling you, and, and it was exciting. And and honestly, like, that's the difference in this Mets club. Like, if you think about it from the years past, no one would have assumed that there was any sort of chance. But somehow, some way, the Mets won. And uh, the Metropolitans sent the Mets fans home happy tonight. Good for them.
0: There's something special about this team Keith. Brown It was nice to finally get a sweep. And my God, I mean, I've seen better defense from T-ball league teams. I mean, the Phillies defense is a true laughing stock. And Dombrowski, the GM, said earlier in the week, the defense hasn't cost them that many games, hasn't been a big deal. Well, it's cost them all week. So he's eating his words. Their defense in the first inning alone, leading to those three runs, was huge. So um, I think this Phillies team is a lot worse than I thought. I was one of the people defending them, saying it's early saying they'll be fine, but there's a chance that this is a two-team race between the Mets and Braves, assuming that the Braves do something similar like they did last year and make some moves.
1: Yeah, in true Dombrowski fashion, um, this team legitimately, their analytics department looked at it and said, we win the majority of games we score six or more runs in, so let's get more big hitters in here, and that's what we're going to focus on. They also lose more games than when they give up seven runs. <laughs> so that the math there doesn't really work out very well in favor of the Phillies and especially the Phillies' bullpen because um, they continue to really disappoint uh, on all levels. And Girardi can only do so much. You keep trying to put in the guys that you can count on, and now you can't count on those guys. The whole series was the Mets on top of them and not letting up. And Now, if you go back to, you know, they had their first series loss, And in that first series loss, the biggest game of the year for me, that 13-12 game, that game right there where they make that comeback yet again, down eight to three, And they score eight runs to go up 11 to eight. And you're thinking, wow, this is amazing. What's going to happen next? And Drew Smith, who's a part of this on the other side, Jock Peterson, after two home runs already, inexplicably throws a first pitch fastball to the hottest hitter for the Giants in that situation. And if you're going to get beat, the the adage used to be starters pitch in so that relievers don't have to. The idea behind that was, if a guy is going to beat you with an opposite field home run, then you tip your cap. That's a tougher thing to do than pull power. And these guys nowadays are harping on, how do I beat the shift? Well, there's no shift on the other side of the fence. So if I can get a ball that I can pull, I'm just going to hit it as hard and as far as I can. He throws him a, a fastball right in his wheelhouse. First pitch. Like, I understand they wanted it away and he missed his location. Still, I'm not giving this guy a first pitch fastball. I'm giving him, you know, something slower. He's got the changeup. He's got the good curveball, something slower, make him work for it. And then maybe pitch a little backwards and sneak attack him with a fastball. But Jock Peterson goes and hits his third home run, ties that game. The Mets still take the lead uh, in in the uh, ninth. And what do you have? Lo and behold, Jock Peterson again comes up and gets a slider where Sugar looks awful, walks the first batter gets a, a hard hit ground ball double play, you're thinking, okay, they're just one out away. But when you have a guy like floundering like that and you can see he's not on his A game and it's a big moment where his team has come back, you've got to go out there as a pitching coach and just have him take a reset, have him take a deep breath. Tell him he's one pitch away from ending this ball game. But you could see he just was trying too hard, trying to be too nasty, couldn't throw strikes, couldn't command the ball, and you see the hits piling up, Peterson ties the game, and then they wind up losing the game. And at no point, the, you know, Hafner go out there and talk to him to calm him down. Even the best closers in the game, sometimes you got to go out there just to give him a reset, whether you talk to them about pitching or anything else, just to get their mind off the game of trying to be ultra-focused. Sometimes when you're ultra-focused like that, it's too much. Um, let ju- let their natural ability take over. I was disappointed for the first time when I saw that, and then Buck with the decision of, of Aravino over Diaz tonight. I-, I think the Mets, though, they-, they they rally, man. They rally around each other. They believe in each other, and and each one of these guys is is finding a way to uh, leave their mark on this twenty twenty two season.
0: Yeah, it's been fun to watch. And Eduardo Escobar recently had needed it, and you know something on that is that lazy Mary. Can we talk to? I know some people you. Know some people, Hearts know some people. They cannot continue to have Escobar walk up to Lazy Mary because there are people probably walking around the stadium when he comes up who are thinking it's the seventh inning already. Like they're hammered. It's like the bottom of the fourth. Escobar's coming up. It might happen to Hearts tonight at six beers deep. I don't know. Who are like, this game's going quick, but it's really his walk up. How did the Mets approve their classic seventh inning stretch song, which has been their song for years and years, Figgy? Lazy Mary. Most of us know none of the words. No one, I mean, we can analyze them now. I think that that should be our Spanish Academy words, should be some of the lyrics from Lazy Mary. But how do you approve this guy coming up to that? So let's fix that. It's weird because I don't think his first at-bat is Lazy Mary, but I think it's his second at-bat where it's Lazy
2: Mary. It is. You're absolutely correct. And honestly, that's that's the one thing that, as a casual fan that likes to go to Citi Field and watch the Mets, you get, take me out to the ball game, and then it's da 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 <laughs> We didn't get that tonight. We got that in, in the fifth inning, and I said, this is absolutely ridiculous. How, how did someone approve that this is going to be his song? And I get like you know you you want to appease the player make him happy whatever and maybe this is like his superstition whatever but i'm i'm not a fan of it i'm sorry and that's a seventh inning thing you you go from one to the other and then you know not a fan (laughs) another riff with that figgy too i gotta say this they put
0: OPS instead of the average. And I did talk to someone. I did reach out to someone about this. I guess it was approved by someone in the front office or something. They put OPS instead of batting average next to the players' names on the big scoreboard, which confused the hell out of me, confused his fans. I want to see if the guy's hitting 250. I don't want to see his OPS is 550 because I don't know what that means. I know it's on-baseball slugging, but I don't know if he's a good hitter. He could just, you know, be a power hitter or not a power hitter. Put average, hearts.
2: I got to tell you one other thing that that this is, is a, a minor complaint but to to your point about OPS they also don't tell you what the batter or at least the Mets batters have done for the night. They'll put up a, for instance what you would take on your scorecard where like if the first inning it was a 4-3 and then the the third inning they they flew out to 7 and f7 that kind of stuff. They won't put up, you know, o for 3 one for four, that kind of stuff. You have to do the math. They actually put it on the board, you know, F7, two, three, that kind of stuff. I'm not a fan of that either. I don't want to have to to, to look at the board and go, all right, so the first inning they grounded out. The second inning they did this. Are the players soft now? We're like they <laughs> they can't see O for four. They're, they got an 0 for five tonight. Like well, I I don't get that. I'm at I'm of- a 32 and 17 and we're complaining about the scoreboard. I don't like so it. I, I think I that's good. No,
0: I agree. I it, listen. I complain about everything. I'm like I'm like an old an old Jewish guy. But like still like those are some things you gotta fix. Figgy, you're a player, so maybe you don't care about this stuff. And nope, you have not a bit. To, you haven't even been to a game this year. You've been nope. so busy with the Fairy <clears throat> Hawks. But, uh, you know, that's frustrating. You've been going there long enough, you know.
1: Yeah, no, listen, all I really care about is, you know, Escobar is comfortable. They're at home. And since uh, the Giants series uh, started out that way, uh, he for the week has batted three forty six.
0: No, but this Raises, was this is the last homestand too. It's it this that but week. I know no two hundred with with it but he still raised his,
1: his but he raised his average to two twenty five from a two oh three or two oh four clip where he was just you know six games ago so you have to appreciate him starting to turn it around i imagine at some point uh, if there's a, i could see jake leading a petition about this right now i really can I am, Yes. Uh, and i i think you know that that's something that i'm gonna shy away from but
0: send a few texts out to some yeah. people lazy eddie you smoking bed there's only one man you should marry uh that... <laughs> The B-side lyrics? (laughs) That's the English part. It goes, Lazy Mary, you better get up. She answered back, I am not able. Lazy Mary, you better get up. We need the sheets for the table. But it takes a while to get there because the beginning is all in Italian. It's Mm same. Mezumari, but you know, no one understands that part except for our time anyway. This is amazing. <laughs> true, Jake Brown. <laughs> also figure uh, this is what happens when you record at 2 a.m. on a Sunday night. Happy Memorial Day, everyone! Or
1: Monday yeah, morning,
0: yeah. It is Monday morning. Uh, some of you may be listening to this later because you're out barbecuing right now. Um, a couple of nuggets before we move on here. I'll just run through these quick. One, Luis Guillorme is just tearing the cover off the ball. Been good in the leadoff spot. We'll see with Brandon Nimble. This is going to be a story to watch, Figgy, because this guy hasn't played 100 games in a season in his career. He's going to be a free agent. We know his agent. He's going to have big bucks, but will the Mets pay him? That's going to be a question we're going to ask as the season goes on, because he has not been durable. And listen, he, he might be back in the lineup in a day or two, but constantly hurt. Francisco Lindor, 455, last six games, 14 RBIs. I mean, this guy is on fire. I like it, Figgy, because I hate the people who are like, boo him still, or like, don't support him. The team's winning. He's in a hot streak. You know, well, it's a game of streaks. He's going to have bad weeks. He's going to have bad stretches. And then he's going to have stretches like he's on right now. So you kind of just got to ride the wave, not do the wave, ride the wave.
1: Don't (laughs) that's exactly it. Right. And we talked about there's a million different ways that he helps your ball club. Um, Just, just being that first person out to greet plumber. Uh, After he hits the home run, he wasn't on deck. You know, he just wanted to be that guy because – He's the leader of this team. Uh, he's the face of the franchise. That's why he got paid all that money. And he's supposed to be on the top step. But one thing that you have to say about Lindor is through the good, the bad, and even the ugly of last year, he was always on the top step. He was always rooting his team on, trying to help his team win, even if it was just words of encouragement. And I know what you're thinking. $30 million, you better be able to do a lot more. Yes, he's the first one to tell you he wasn't worth the money last year. This year, he's, he's taking his game playing at that level that you came to expect and, and putting up numbers and driving and runs like crazy. And just being that guy that you want to see up to bat between him and Pete, Pete hitting the long ball and driving and runs like crazy and Francisco Lindor. It, it's been real fun to watch this offense. And I still think the biggest change has been the attention to detail the small ball, the putting the balls in play and not striking out with runners in scoring position. Shout out to Eric Chavez. Not going for home runs. And Eric Chavez was not that guy when he played. You know, he was not the guy that... Um, he was a guy with a big swing. He was a guy who was always looking to do damage. But you know what he was? He was a consummate pro that learned to adapt his game and try, you know, hitting the ball the other way a little bit more, trying to beat shifts. And even though shifts weren't prominent, you still shift against guys that were dead pull hitters because you want to take away that hit. Right? Their philosophy has changed from a year ago. The days of Quattlebaum, Bush, what was it again? Quattlemyer, Hugh Quattlebaum. The days of Quattlebaum are, are long gone, and this. team it's a philosophy that works for the way that they're built that they're playing tremendous baseball right now and still not at 100 percent. and you can't wait to see jake doing more than just playing catch but jake playing catch and reporting the next day that he feels fine i'll continue to take those days till he gets back on the mound there's a chance he's
0: back you know when when the, the clock hits summer June 21st and me mm-hmm. and hearts are pumping our fist at marquee on a Friday night. <laughs> Jacob DeGrom might be on the Hill. we won't to be celebrating a Jacob DeGrom day and then hitting marquee afterwards. Jankowski Kowski six day weeks. You hate to see it. He was a glue guy, but Nick Plummer comes in his first start and you know, saves the day. So it's just, it's literally like I keep saying this Mets yearbook of 2022 is going to be a Oscar winning show or Emmy winning show on SNY. And I can't wait for it. Unamazing, but true. The Mets are in first place. It is a glorious time. They have the biggest lead in baseball. Eight and a half. They're 32 and 17. Coming up on the schedule, they have three with the Nationals at Citi Field, seven, seven, and one, and then four on their West Coast trip, which will be a tough one, Figgy, Dodgers, Padres, Angels. It's going to be a big test in what's a big month coming up, but they got a couple of cookies with the Nationals. If you get back-to-back sweeps here going on that West Coast trip, You set yourself up where a bad West coast trip is not going to kill you. So that's good for the Mets and Tuesday, 10 year anniversary celebration of Johan looking forward to that. But coming up next, we got a quick little Figgy's fables for you right here on amazing, but true.
2: We all want to know about something before it happens. You know, we, we want to know if the jets are going to beat the Patriots. Don't say no, they're going to beat them this year. All right, well, as
0: we mentioned, Figgy had a haircut. You were on MLB Network. So you were on MLB Tonight with John Heyman, and you got a haircut, and there's a story behind it, a very touching story, and uh, Figgy's Fables.
1: Let's hear about it. Yeah, so back in March, it was my father's mother, uh, my grandmother, my wella. Um, it was her 90th birthday party and everybody came from all over the country to surprise her up in Connecticut. We rented a house and my dad was bringing her over by the house, just said he wanted her to take a look at the house and brings her in through the backyard. We're all standing in the living room wearing T-shirts uh, with a picture of her wearing a crown saying that the queen is 90. Um, And she walked in and immediately burst into tears. Everybody kind of went up two by two, giving her hugs and kisses, taking pictures. During this whole thing, after we get done and she gets settled and she's sitting down, she calls me over and she says to me, you know, thank you for everything. Gives me a kiss. And she says, can you do one thing for me? I said, what's that? She goes, Will you cut your hair before I die? I laughed it off and I'm like, I don't have a real job to cut my hair for. I have no reason to cut my hair. Well, this week, MLB Network called on Tuesday and uh, said that there was an opportunity to do the show on Friday. And I decided, well, I was gonna have to clean up my look anyway, I wanted to trim it. So I had a hair appointment for nine o'clock in the morning on Friday. And as I was driving home from the game on Thursday night, uh, from the Fair Hawks, I get a phone call from my mother just after midnight, uh, informing me that my grandmother had passed away. Um, she had complications from covid, had been in the hospital for a few weeks, went home, and um, you know, as I said, uh, died due due to complications. And I immediately went. When I got my hair cut, uh, the guy asked me, you know, so how much are we cutting off? And I looked at him and I said, my grandmother wanted to see me with cutting off my hair. So I want to make sure I do that. I'm going to be on MLB Network tonight. And he was like, oh my God, that's, you know, such a touching story. I'm going to take care of you. You gave me a very fresh cut. Shout out to the Art of Hair and in Weehawken, New Jersey. I go over to the show and I had seen Lauren Gardner, who I was going to work with if I did the Apple TV game at the game that night, which was crazy because there was really no reason for her to be here. So it's one of those things that all these coincidences keep adding up. But as I go home, I find out my grandmother passes away. And I wanted to honor her by cutting my hair and having that nice, uh, that nice polished look with the suit and tie again, back on TV. So, you know, uh, definitely she will be missed. And I know she was looking down and she's a huge Mets fan and, you know, a game like today would have been something that she was yelling at the TV about, you know, on both sides of it, like stupid pitch and all the choice words she would have had, but at the same time, all's well that ends well she turned off the tv and would go to sleep happy with the mets victory
0: that's a great story figgy and you know setting our thoughts and prayers to you and, and your family what was her name
1: thank you margarita
0: margarita one of many people's favorite drinks as well so uh, <laughs> shout out to margarita
1: abuela right yep abuela we just we couldn't say abuela so we said Wella, w-e-l-l-a wella is what we used to say when i was a kid yeah
0: okay the timing on that is like scary
1: oh goosebumps goosebumps every time i tell the story and you know now i wear the hair and everybody's like oh my god you look like a totally different person but uh it, it was good to be back on the air it was also you know good to uh be alongside Heyman and do something i love and at the same time still be able to coach so uh it's been a very good 2022 in a lot of ways and You know, even though I I lost my grandmother, I'm so happy that she had a chance before she died to see all the grandchildren and all, you know, the family got together. And, you know, she was so excited about that. And she literally had said, like, she gave this big speech and said, um, you know, all she has left is now to be reunited with her beloved, my grandfather. And now she is. Well, this episode sponsored by Kleenex this week.
0: Oh, amazing, but true. That's that's a great story, and it looks good. You know, my mom saw it. She said, "You look big. He Looks very nice." So, uh, <laughs> she approves, and so do I. You, you don't look homeless now. You look you look a little. You look like you own a nice four family uh, home in, uh, <laughs> in New Jersey. So, good job. But we'll, we'll close that. Amazing, but true. Next could be W for women or or uh, Wal- Walgreens. Oh, my boy. first job. Alrighty, righty biggie let's say goodnight to episode 106 of amazing but true our new york Met podcast from new york post
1: that's actually good morning but thanks to you jake and andrew hartz for producing the show give amazing but true a five-star rating and write in a nice review on apple podcasts give us a follow on twitter as well at amazing but true
0: you know, this is the latest recording in the history of the program <laughs> or the
1: earliest <laughs>
0: We're wrapping up here at 2.30 in the morning on Memorial Day. That's right. We work holidays at the New York Post. That's called dedication slash Figgy's got to wake up in the morning and coach baseball game as well. Um, Hope everyone has a happy Memorial Day. How about the news? You know, we broke about Doc Gooden. You know, we kind of stole the Mets shine about Daryl. Darrell can't play. I mean, he's—I guess you get it, Figgy. He's broken down. He's battered. He's—he's he's had injuries, shoulders, had surgeries. But Doc starting and you know playing made some big news because I think fans are excited, especially younger fans like me who never got to see him pitch. Yeah, it might be fifty-six miles an hour, but at Citi Field on August twenty-seventh, they're seeing Doctor K. That's pretty damn cool.
1: Yeah, no, without a doubt, I think one of the things you always hear me talk about is fantasy camp and getting to hang out with these guys and spend time with these guys. And that's what it's It's really about is to to have this whole big group just being at the stadium at the same time. And I'm sure they're going to have little maybe uh, signing areas where you can have, you know, a couple of guys at a time and get stuff autographed. And I think it's just a really cool experience to, you know, let the fans see the important members of, you know, the the years gone by. Only two championships, but, you know, there's teams that are celebrated. There's players that are celebrated for their efforts uh, of being New York Mets. Only a thousand players. Only 1,000 players in the history of the game have ever put on a New York Met uniform, so it's pretty special.
0: Well, let's hope no one gets hurt. The way the Mets are going, Doc might, you know, tear a hammy, you know, <laughs> throwing an e there. So excited for that day as more names continue to come out. The other, you know, fun story with the Mets is the McNeil-Chaz dance from Wedding Crash. I mean, the Wedding Crashers, is like cast owes the Mets because I need to go watch it now to be reminded of that scene. I've seen the gif a million times of the dance, the classic, this dance that Will Ferrell, the gif. So something fun about this team and the good thing about watching the broadcast is hearing Pete Alonso and, and hearing them talk to him and him taking us through the play-by-play and then Jeff McNeil's on his side you know come closer snuggle up closer to the polar bear the, you know the announcers carl Ravage, this terrible announcer wants to hear you it's a fun team with a close-knit unit and you feel it just from outside the inside from when i see the infield at the bar together after a ranger game like you're seeing them now in the town it's all like we say feeding up figgy to something special it's a, it's a fun bunch
1: yeah, it's, it's a fun bunch. They're playing winning baseball. That's the most important thing. It wouldn't be a fun bunch if they were playing losing baseball, right? It would be like, why are these guys out all the time? Why are they watching the Rangers game? So winning is uh, the biggest thing, and I think they, they have their priorities in order. And with Buck Showalter at the helm, the attention to detail has been the biggest difference this year on this team, and I, it's a reason why I think they will have a chance to go far into October.
0: It's a good show today. Hope everyone has a happy Memorial Day. See you at City Field for three for the West Coast trip. I don't think I'm going to be making the West Coast trip. I might not come back to North Carolina again. If food is closes at 10 p.m., my goodness, it's. Uh, I keep complaining about that, but just it's it's like the freaking CBS morning news and when the snowstorm. Speaking of closing, yeah, let me close the show out here so everyone can go to bed here. <laughs> For Nelson Figueroa, Andrew Hartz, I'm Jake Brown. We will be back next Monday as the Mets uh, after the first four games of their West Coast trip. Figgy, and as always, let's let's go go Mets. Mets. Nice job. Look at that
1: picture. That's awful.
0: But when he does the Cheetos, I'm not a fan of those.